So talking about you know warfare, we um, are going to be talking about the, the spiritual battle, the fleshly battle that we've been talking about throughout this whole class. But first of all, you know, it's going to start pretty broad in talk about you know human warfare, something that sadly, ever since the fall of man that has existed and will continue to exist. It's, it's one of the, the downfalls of, of the fall. And what, what are typical things that win, win wars for whatever side? You know, you go back through history, think about warfare. Good Endurance. leaders. Leaders, what? Endurance. Endurance. Strategy. Strategy. The right attitude. Attitude. Power. Power. Extra man. Mm -hmm. Resources. Resources. Mm -hmm. All of these, you know, are, are, are key and critical to, to winning wars. I, I'm kind of a, not a true history buff, but I love, love studying history, love to read books, watch historical movies. If you've ever read the uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, there's a, a new version of the movie that's been released, and I'll give you full disclosure, it's, it's very graphic, um, but it's probably not even close to being graphic as the actual Great War or the First, the first World War. Um, but you think about the, the different strategies as we study past wars, you think a hundred years ago, <coughs> we used to dig, dig, dig trenches and kill each other over a few hundred meters of land. You know, somewhere three to four million people die for just a few hundred meters of soil. Um, and it's I mean, it's crazy. And then, you know, you go back less than 100 years from that, and people would just stand in rows and shoot at each other. You know, and you're like... <laughs> so the historical aspect of, of war is, is fascinating. The strategy, the, the abuse of men. You know, you have people that make decisions for other people just to get slaughtered and die. Um, and thinking about that, thinking about... The, the warfare that we go through on a spiritual basis, the war between the flesh and, and the spirit. You know, you all touched on some of the, the qualities and the attributes that help sides win when it comes to war between countries or sides or, or whatever throughout history. And those all still apply to the warfare that we encounter on a daily basis when it comes to spiritual warfare, fleshly warfare. And I you know, definitely want to touch on today one aspect, and, and that is, is the power. And the source of the power that we have, that we, we've been given, and definitely um, we're going to be talking about that a lot. So... You know, stepping back a little bit further, you know, the, the kingdom that, you know, God has established 
And again, thinking about this in the context of, of war and those type, type of things, how did God establish his kingdom? How did the how does he put it in, in his, you know, the, through the writers of the New Testament or through, through Jesus to the words that we have recorded for him? How was how his kingdom set up? Thinking again on a kind of a war, warfare mindset or against that, kind of giving it away. But how was his kingdom set up? How was it established? Romans 1 4 was declared, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Yes, that's the key, the center of it, and that's where the power is from. So, looking at it from a, a human aspect of warfare, how, how close is it to that, or how? Opposite is it? Yeah. Maybe what you're thinking of is Jesus' statement to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world and my servants would fight to deliver me. My kingdom, <clears throat> my kingdom is not from here. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's complete opposite. So again, it gets us in this, this mindset of a, a spiritual kingdom, not the kingdom that his own followers were looking for. And, and we know we read about that confusion and, and that mindset. And it was also the, com the complete opposite. Again, when you, looked, when you look for the, the power, this was not power, um, a military power. It was the power of a, of a risen Savior, the most powerful thing of all. And Paul puts it you know, differently. Again, when we're looking at the, the contrast, if you look at the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way. He says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than than human strength. So, again, we see it, it, it turns on its head the, the human idea of power, of, of winning, setting up a kingdom, winning a war to establish a kingdom. This is, this is the eternal kingdom that has been set up, and it looks foolish, it looks weak to mankind. But in turn, it is the most powerful, it is the strongest, and the one that will endure forever. And, and this, is, this is the kingdom we, we find ourselves in, thankfully, and the kingdom that we, we fight our, our battles daily, our spiritual warfare, and our, our war with, with the flesh. And I have a couple other passages here that, you know, that, that Jesus, through his giving of himself, his crucifixion, of, and then of his resurrection, his defeat of death, has gained victory for us. 
But since we still we live in a fallen world, we still have our battles to continue to fight, our spiritual um, and fleshly battles. And so as, as, as Paul put it in, in Colossians, we see this victory, and we see, as he says here, he says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So again, the ultimate victory has been won. We are in the kingdom, and, and we are victorious. But as we've been looking throughout our class, this, uh, this trimester, looking at the fight between the flesh and the spirit in this, this ongoing war, and we've looked at this passage multiple times, but again, the way Paul puts it, he says, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So this, this continual conflict, this war that is going on, and how we are daily in this battle, um, and how through the things that we've talked about in the class, how we are continuing to mold ourselves, to make ourselves closer spiritually, have our spirits align with the Spirit of God to win these battles on, on a daily occurrence. So, this, this warfare, this battle, and again, we've touched on this some you know, in our class so far, is is fought differently. <clears throat> and there's a passage in 2 Corinthians that I want to focus on this morning. Let me pull up here. And here Paul says, For though we live in the world, mm, there's a misprint there, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pre pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So, again, looking at you know, the context what Paul is writing here, he is being put into a, a negative light by other people in Corinth, <coughs> with, probably within the church there, that here, here they would make the argument that Paul, he's really bold when he writes to you, but then in person, not so much. You know, and so he, he's defending himself, de de defending his apostleship. <coughs> you remember, he will, he'll later on in the letter mock these other, you know, as he calls them, super apostles, and, and go on to defend himself. But there's so much application to us here about the, the war that, that goes on and the <coughs> weapons that we have, that we've been given, 
to, to fight this world, to, excuse me, this war. So, what does he say here? What, what kind of weapons do we have? Weapons of divine power. Yes, weapons of divine power. So what, what does that conjure up, or what does that mean to you all? We have the power of prayer. Power of prayer, definitely. Yeah. I sort of think of the fruit of the spirit, and when the spirit's in you, those fruit are not natural, fleshly actions that people of the world are going to produce. Mm -hmm. So when we have those things, those are weapons of the spirit. Definitely. The Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a huge, huge weapon for us, fighting for us, giving us power. Very good. Anybody else? Any other? Paul gives us a list in Ephesians 6. Mm -hmm. He does. We are going to actually, not to take away from our upcoming class on Wednesday, but we're going to dig into those um, Ephesians 6 also. Uh, we're going to kind of touch on this morning, but, you know, skipping ahead, he gives us, he gives us prayer, hope, faith, love, the Holy Spirit, the Word, Word of the Spirit. So we have all of these weapons at our disposal um, that are given us <clears throat> this divine power. And what does it say that we can do with these weapons? What does he say? Take every thought captive. I think that is at the, the core of what we can do. And that might mean something different to everyone. I'm just curious what you all think about that. I know it means, you know, it might mean something slightly different to all of us. It's not something we really talk about, but this idea of, of taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. What does that mean to y'all? Something I've been trying to remember to do lately is when I wake up in the morning and I say today is going to be a good day. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I lie down at night or in the evening sometime, I think about what went right today, not what went wrong. Yeah. Very good. Coffee. Well, this is kind of this um, kind of war imagery. Like, you know, taking captives is what you do in a war I think it's saying that it's not people or things that we're taking captive, but we're taking, we are taking prisoners of the enemies that is, you know, the thoughts of the evil one or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the powers that work against us do not want our thoughts to be captive to Christ. They want our thoughts to be dominated by something else. <clears throat> so if we're having thoughts that are on things that aren't of the spirit but of the carnality, if we take those thoughts captive and we say, no, those, these thoughts I should be having because these are not the ones that, these are belonging to something else, not Christ. If we take our thoughts back into possession, that's kind of an aspect of spiritual warfare that sets us up quite nicely as a metaphor for actual warfare. Successful military leaders take their uh, soldiers captive under their thoughts. Mm 
You can't have someone defying the leader and be successful. So the thoughts of his of his platoon or whatever it is are captive under his thoughts, obedient to him. Very good. You know, and think about think the way about Paul and all of his writings and the way he took everything from the world around him and we have little examples that he gives us um, and sometimes since we live 2,000 years later we might gloss over them but to his <clears throat> audience that he wrote to you know thinking about living in the time of Rome and Caesar and Caesar was called Lord and Savior it's not by coincidence that Paul uses these, this language when he's writing these letters. So again, he's taking what the world deems as religion, and he's saying, no, 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 these things are applied to, to Jesus. The fullness of deity, as he describes <coughs> Christ, that was a, in Colossians, that was a very famous religious statement again of of the roman empire other religions again paul takes that turns it on its head this is jesus you know what does he do in athens when he sees this you know he sees idols and monuments to everything and then he finds one to the unknown god and what does he say about that to them this unknown God, I declare unto you. Yeah, this is Jesus. You know, you, again, so he, time after time, he, he takes these things and makes them captive to Christ. What an example, you know, to, to us, as we're bombarded daily, and we might think, oh, okay, where is this, this world going and all of the rottenness or whatever if we can take those thoughts take those occurrences and somehow in our own way we make that all captive to Christ I think that's one way of looking at how how Paul did that which is amazing especially the he's living knowing more than likely he's going to be killed for this for his words for his actions but he continues to do this daily yes Jim. in stark contrast randy to i think about the news media today <laughs> we talk about all these things that are going on and well what do you think about this well he thinks that in all kinds of speculation and that takes our minds captive if we're not careful. <clears throat> it takes us away from thinking about what the Lord wants us to do, how he wants us to live, and how the fruit of the Spirit can bring about that victory. Yes. Very good. Taking our, mind, our thoughts captive, isn't that too? Like training our mind to hear the whisper of the Spirit instead of the screaming of the flesh. Definitely. I think that is spot on, that we 
are in tune <clears throat> to making sure that we can hear the Spirit and, and listen, um, no matter how hard, how bombarding the, the world, the outside world is screaming at us. Are we listening to the, to the Spirit? Definitely. And dedicating, um, as Ryan was talking about, we, we focus our minds, we dedicate the day, every day, to, to Jesus and, and making sure every moment becomes captive to, to Christ. And it's not always easy and it's very hard sometimes, but that's our goal and that's how we are, are setting, setting ourselves up to win <coughs> these daily battles. Any other thoughts or comments on this, this passage here? Brandon, there's a curious statement that Jesus made to his three, three apostles he took to the transfiguration with him. When they came down from the mountain, Jesus made a statement to them. He said, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of God or Son of Man has risen. Back to your point about the power of the resurrection, None of those apostles who had been there could have believed that's what it's going to take. Mm -hmm. Jesus' death. So don't tell anybody about it. Nobody's going to believe you if you do. He didn't say that, but he might as well have. Right. Nobody would have believed. Not even they believed. But after the Son of Man has risen, then tell the message. And they did. Mm -hmm. It was powerful. Exactly. And, and speaking of of power, you know, that is, um, again, I just, I just highlighted, that is, is what we have, what we've been given, and Paul mentions this multiple times in, in his writings about this, this power, and as we talked about in human warfare, that is the key, one, one decide, the country, whatever, with power, is the one that is, is going to overcome, the one that is going to, to win. And, and that's what we have been given. And, and he puts it different ways in, in different writings, and I want to touch on those a, a little bit here in our time remaining. And in Ephesians, Paul has a couple of just beautiful prayers that he writes that he is praying for them. I think there are prayers that we need to pray um, that are just, that are unbelievable. But what, what he says through those prayers, the power that those that have take, have joined the side of, of Jesus Christ, the power that we have is, is unbelievable. It's something to uh, think and meditate on. And the first one we'll look at here is in Ephesians 3. <clears throat> he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in, <clears throat> in your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. <clears throat> and I pray that you, 
being rooted, <coughs> excuse me, being rooted and established in love may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So, here he's saying that, that through God's Spirit, and again, thinking about us cultivating, growing, maintaining our own <coughs> spirit, and having the two aligned and connected, that through his Spirit, through that alignment, we have power. We've given, and that power is strengthening us daily, our innermost being. And through that, what does it say there? It says that, that Christ is dwelling in our hearts. So, you know, we have all these different components, and that's, you know, th through our faith. But again, thinking of this on a warfare basis, the power that we have, that we've been given, graciously given, how that is, is building us up and, and giving us strength for, for our battles, for our spiritual battles. He also says uh, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, the first verses 18 to 20, in another prayer, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now this one, and he also in Romans 8 talks about this too, this, the power that we have, the power that believers have, the same power that he exerted when Christ was risen from the dead. If that doesn't make you, I don't know, <laughs> tingle or just feel unbelievably unworthy, but so grateful to have that type of power, resurrection power, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and that is what is, is guiding us, that's what is propelling us every day in, in our battles as the battle of the flesh and the spirit continues to go on. What are your thoughts? Yes, Gloria. Well, I was going to say, I think it's interesting to note the contrast between what we, when we would see the Holy Spirit come upon someone before Christ in the, under the Old Covenant, that he would come upon, you know, we know several of the judges, not all the judges, but several of the judges and kings and prophets, and you see him come upon them, and he would give them power. Mm -hmm. um, and not that they maintained that power all the time, but, but that when the Spirit would came upon them, but to see the contrast now, as you're saying, under the new covenant through Jesus, that now all believers, true believers, are gifted with that access to that same power. So it is, it's just an incredible, amazing gift that we have. Yes. Yeah. Plus, Satan has power, too. Uh -huh. And he doesn't want the ones who are not here. He wants us. Yeah. And, we, and he fights 
for us. Definitely. Eric. Yeah, so related to this power and uh, it was one of the spiritual weapons that you talked about early on that, that we have, um, for me, when I find myself struggling with whatever and I ask myself why, then I go just a few words past your yellow word power and there's a simple word that says believe. Um, if I truly have the faith and belief that I have these spiritual weapons that God has given us, I mean, the amount of confidence that we should carry, not arrogance, but confidence in the Lord of uh, waiting for his prayers to be answered, waiting for his will to be done in your life, um, should, should overwhelm me if I have the faith and belief. Um, those, if those are not there, the weapons are not being used. And it is, as Debbie just said to you, that it's a constant attack. We is what Satan wants. He, he wants us. So do we believe that we have this power and everything that goes with it? As we mentioned before, all the weapons that this power, this divine power gives us. And realize that this battle is ongoing. It's not going to stop. But how are we taking it day by day? Yeah. yeah, looking, thinking about power, Jesus' power, God's power, and kind of this New Testament, Old Testament um, juxtaposition is really interesting is that part of the reason that Jesus Christ was a stumbling block to the Jews in particular is because it, having the power of God used to mean conquest in spiritual battle. Or not spiritual battle, but actual battle. In the Old Testament, that is the result of God's power, is that you had military victory. And Jesus completely subverts all of that. I think about the fact that Jesus' meekness and the way he was led him to death on the cross, which not only was viewed as a humiliating defeat for Christianity, but spiritually should have been, on paper, Satan's greatest victory. But it was exactly the opposite. It was through meekness and like total subjugation that the greatest spiritual victory was won. And in the same way, we too have, like I think about like Peter, when they come for Jesus, he gets the sword out, right? He has a physical weapon because he thinks this is what's wanted of him. And not only does Jesus um, say, don't do that, Peter, he actually heals. He takes the enemy and he heals them. And just everything is so, so flipped around from the way it used to be. And just the meekness and the idea that you have to be subjugated and taken captive, and that is the ultimate freedom, is absolutely beautiful. And that's kind of when I see incomparably great power, is that the power of Jesus, this new method he has of doing things, is better than any other form of power that's going to be for it. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Well, along that same line of being confident and um, in this power, I think also, if we have that faith and belief, um, we should also want to share. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, if that doesn't give you like tingles, you know, yeah. well, yeah, let's that it should. And because of that, we should say, I have this amazing gift, not being arrogant, right. but being confident, saying, I want you to have it too. 
for those that we know that might not. Um, and it, it should almost just bubble out, like, because we're so excited about it. And so, you know, I think sometimes we shy away from, um, like we've talked about before, just having the Holy Spirit and all these really great things. And we should, that should just bubble out of us. We should just want everybody to have what we have um, if we truly believe that we have it and we do have this great power. We've talked about that on, on, on Wednesday night. I'm glad you brought that back up. That we've been given this gift of the Holy Spirit, but is it is it flowing out of us? And we talked a lot, a lot about that on Wednesday night, and exactly to your point. The, those around us, is it outflowing to them? And are they benefiting from our spirit? The fruit of our spirit, is it causing them to flourish and to grow and to see Christ in us? Yes. In the heat of the battle, how do I know that I have that power? You tell me, what do you think? Faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. We we know what the Lord's promised. Our hope is in Him. I don't know that He's going to, you know, I, I don't know from experience that He's going to help me in that time of battle. But I have full confidence by my hope in Him, by believing in Him. It's the evidence of things that I can't see. You know, this this doesn't look good. I'm not sure it's going to end up the way I want it to. But when my faith is in Him, it'll be good. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. David, I didn't see your hand. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go, go. go ahead, Kim. Go ahead, Kim. And then Dave. And I was also thinking that there's almost an advantage to having um, weaknesses and difficulties because even with the Holy Spirit, we can say, even though I am weak, then he is strong. And his, um, my weakness is made, makes his, his perfection come out as strong. I don't think I said that correctly, but I think you know what I mean. And that seems like a gift of the Spirit. Now, there was a time and I still struggle with a lot of the same things, but differently. There was a time where I was so frustrated with my father, I said to him, you know, I want to believe that your grace is sufficient for me, but I don't. Would you please help me? And he has. And so with the things that I do struggle with now, um, it's still a struggle, but at least I know that if I'm struggling, I can tell somebody, well, you know, I go through this, and I know you go through that, but here's how great Christ is, because he helps me uh, to be what I can't be, and he is who I need to be. It's so funny that she just spoke up, because I thought in my mind, I wonder if Kim Wagner is in this class. <laughs> and let me tell you something, Kim. Where you at? All right, 30 years ago, it was the first time I ever met you or saw you, and I saw the Spirit of God walk through you. First time in my entire life I ever saw that and witnessed that. And I love you. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, 
back to Jay's comment about uh, you know, how do we know that the power of God is in in us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about Hebrews and the Hall of Fame of Faith. You know, if there's a, a one of the theme, great themes of the Bible is God's faithfulness. You know, and and Hebrews talks about that with all these people who <clears throat> gone through all these things and and God was faithful in his relationship with them. So I think that should be encouraging to us to see God's faithfulness in all of these times past and in the lives of people that we've known. And that should give us confidence in, uh, in his power in our lives. And our confidence, you know, so many different sources. The way he finished here in verse 20, that, that Christ was risen and he's placed at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. And as, as Lawrence has said countless times, he didn't go there to retire. You know, he is working for us daily. This spiritual battle that we can't see, we can't perceive, or maybe we can perceive, but we can't see it. And that it's this struggle that is going on, but it's being fought. He's fighting on our behalf. Uh, again, he's won the victory. These battles that we incur, he's fighting on our behalf too. Um, it takes us to Ephesians 6. We'll read this uh, right before. This will be our last, uh, last couple of minutes here. In verses uh, 10 and 12, through 12, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So again, this spiritual battle that we can't see is being fought but we have been given divine power to fight our spiritual battles that we can see here on earth um, and that are taking place and again may we have the confidence that we've talked about that god is doing his part rest you know rest assured that that is going on and we have his full strength and we depend on that full strength but we are using the armor that he has given us and that's what we're going to talk about some on on wednesday night is that armor that he has given us and how how that brings us to spiritual maturity so i look forward to that but have again have that confidence that this battle, obviously, he is on on our side. Thank you all.